Welcome to the Gals Guide to the Galaxy podcast, where a group of gals gather for you one cool thing around our topic of the month. Is it ancient history? Is it breaking news? Is it safe for work? Well, that's up to each gal. All we know is that... Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. Welcome back. I'm Katie, and I'm joined by Leah, Bonnie, and Eden talking about our one cool disabled gal. Bonnie already talked about Tammy Duckworth. Mm-hmm. Eden told us about Annie Jump Cannon. And Leah just filled us in about the heroic efforts of Judy Human. Yes. Soon I will be introducing you to another amazing woman. Yay. Yes. <laughs> but first, I want to get your perspective on something. Okay. And this is a little bit of a sensitive subject. I'm going rogue. Yeah. Off the script questions. <gasps> I know the absolute panic. Why did and I even is, write script okay. questions? <laughs> and I think I think we're all going to get to the same consensus with this answer. Okay. But it's a little bit of a very current thing that I feel like is being discussed in the disability world. Okay. And that's if it should be person first versus yes. identity first language. Oh. So there've been all kinds of terms throughout okay. our history and some have been deemed uh, offensive. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think like the core of everything is we need to listen to the people who have these disabilities mm-hmm. or these different experiences. Yeah. Um, but I would say what, maybe like 10, 15 years ago, it became proper to say, you know, uh, my name is Katie. I am an individual with anxiety disorder. Yeah. So you're putting, I'm myself first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Here's my challenge or disability second. Right. But there's a huge movement right now of people saying, hey, you cannot separate my disability from who I am. It's part of who I am. Uh, And I have pride in this. So I want you to use identity first language. And Uh I guess what I'm saying is I just kind of want to know everybody's comfort level and thoughts on this change in language. My first thought is whatever somebody tells me they want, that's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> when it comes to identity, when it comes to pronouns, when it comes to disability, when it comes to, hey, you know what? This week I want to change my name. Like, I'm all about it. I might forget a couple of times because I'm human and I drink. But. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's my question because I'm an awkward there. person. Yeah, yeah. How do you get to that point? I you usually ask. ask somebody. Okay. I sometimes okay. ask. Yeah, okay. exactly. Yeah. Um, but I mean, not every single person, but I mean, I will, when I'm really kind of getting to know somebody or especially if I'm about to, you know, uh, introduce somebody, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like somebody else comes into the room and I want to introduce and be like, how would you like to be introduced? And yeah. that's when an opportunity is for me to, to learn. I've taken a lot more opportunities to ask. And yes. I know that's something that I haven't done in the last couple of years is ask. Um, a friend of mine who was a professional hugger at one point, mm-hmm. like had a certification and like a training program. She taught me to ask if somebody wants a hug. I'm one of those people that just go in there. You know this, Katie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just start hugging because I just assume that everybody's cool with it. And I realized, wait a minute. Some people have had trauma and don't want me up in their business. Mm-hmm. So instead, I put my arms out. <laughs> And I say, would you like a hug? In other words, I'm coming for you. You have a couple of seconds to say no. And I will respond if it's a no and pull myself back in. So that is my learning. But if you had to pick your own default, say you didn't personally know somebody, but you professionally had to introduce them. Yeah. What do you think you'd fall back on? Oh, I don't know. Right? Right. It's a complicated issue and it should come yeah. down to the individual person. I feel but my if fallback we're is educate somebody on yes. like 
a default, what would what should it be? I mean, I love a first name. Okay. I always okay. tend to go with a first name is a lot of our identity, is a lot of our self-imposedness, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't even say Eden has a last name, because Eden is Eden, you <laughs> right. know what I'm saying? I don't even say my last name. Right, exactly. I just say I'm Eden exactly. and keep it moving. Right. If you're lucky, I'll say I'm like Rihanna yes. and Cher <laughs> and Madonna. Exactly. Eden. And you keep it all inside. And I keep it inside. <laughs> one of those things because i think at one point i said how do you want to be introduced and you're like just eden is fine so that's what i've been yeah. doing like since totally. you told me i'm like you'll tell me another way if it ever changes mm-hmm. i don't care. and i think that's why <laughs> i'm not sure how to answer your question mm-hmm. yeah because and this is going to sound really weird be it it's weird but it's me <laughs> i'm totally straight up weird um as a racial and ethnic minority. Yeah. I'm a black chick, in case you didn't know that. <laughs> um, I tend to... People people of color mm-hmm. um, know that they're... Uh, let me say it this way. Black people. Mm-hmm. People want to act like uh, black is only a race. Gotcha. And that it's not also a cultural group. Right, right. And so it's very easy for people to say, well, I don't see color or, you know, it doesn't matter what race somebody is. I'm going to treat them the same way regardless. Uh, Which is all, you know, treat me, you know, well, just like you treat everybody else. But um, for me... Being black is my culture, yeah, and it's yeah. my history, mm-hmm. and it's my, um, it is how, it's part of how I self-identify. And you want people to see it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, just like being a woman, yeah. like, I'm a mm-hmm. chick. Mm-hmm. I'm a chick. I got junk in the trunk. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Doesn't like, always fit in the bathtub, as we were talking about earlier. <laughs> um, so... I come at the whole thing kind of differently, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, because I can't divorce the fact that I'm black and female yeah. from the fact that I'm Eden. Yeah. Because it, pun intended, colors my entire world. Uh. <laughs> and when I worked with deaf people, I realized there's a lot of similarities between deaf culture and black culture uh. because they're both marginalized communities Mm -hmm. they're both um you know there's a lot of oppression Mm -hmm. there's a lot of denial of your language and your history and your you know fill in the blank you know black people deaf people and native americans yeah Mm -hmm. indigenous Mm -hmm. americans oh yeah um have a lot of those similarities and deaf Mm -hmm. people you know they are deaf yeah or they are hard of hearing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't use hearing impaired because right. they hate that. Gotcha. Because yeah, yeah. impaired implies that they can't do something. Right. And they can do everything. Mm-hmm. They just can't hear. I mean, right. and depending on, you know, how much hearing loss has occurred. Yes. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. some people can actually hear a little bit more than other people. Okay. Mm-hmm. So for me, you know, my deaf friends, they're deaf. Yeah. They might also be Marsha or Steve or mm-hmm. what you know, whomever, but it's all part of what makes them them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I can't divorce 
what somebody is from who somebody is. Yeah. I think you just gave a beautiful explanation mm-hmm. of kind of where the movement's going with disability awareness. Mm-hmm. And I think part of the reason that's happening is because we're hearing from people who actually have disabilities yes. and have lived this experience. Right. Because I think we've kind of gone um, from a lot of like maybe parents or caregivers mm-hmm. advocating mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. the space is what opened my up child for people needs. who actually have yeah. disabilities. Quote unquote, to, the experts. The experts, oh, right. Yeah. The doctors and that yeah. kind of mm-hmm. stuff. So I feel like that's why that's happening. And I love hearing these perspectives because just I've kind of been outside of that group as kind of one of the caregivers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's very hard for me to get used to this because I've been very much trained in person first language. Yeah. Oh, yes. So mm-hmm. it's really cool to hear this perspective mm-hmm. yeah. and get raise my comfort level with that. Yeah. Um, and my kind of ability to be an advocate and saying, you know, if that's what yeah. but makes you you and makes you feel good, then that's what I'm gonna use. Right. Yeah. And I so, basically mm-hmm. fall back on the same thing you do. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, yeah. ask the question. What do you need? Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, How do you wanna yeah. be represented? Exactly. Am I being an advocate? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, okay, you've got some hearing loss, you've, you uh, have hearing aids, mm-hmm. do you identify as deaf, do you identify as hard of hearing? Right. Yeah. Are you capitalized mm-hmm. deaf, or are you lowercase d deaf? Right, mm-hmm. exactly. You know, yeah. like, you know, and then that becomes how I introduce them, or how mm-hmm. I interact with them, yeah. or whatever. Because I'm used to, because I'm a light-skinned black chick, mm-hmm. I look kind of Hispanic, kind of, you know, Puerto Rican, um, to the point where people will come up to me and just automatically speak Spanish. Uh, And then when I tell them, I don't speak Spanish, no (laughs) hablo español, they look at me funny. (laughs) Right, exactly. Wait, we coded you a certain way. Yes, and then they come back in, like, American accent, Mm -hmm. you know, English. Right. And it's like, okay. (laughs) You know, so it's just... I know that that's a thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm used to people asking me, you know, um, do I prefer black or do I prefer African American? Mm-hmm. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, yeah. I text black because right. it's shorter. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> when I was teaching my also light skin biracial son, mm-hmm. you know, he couldn't understand why I would call myself black. Right. When my shade of skin is not all that different from, like, my husband's or my stepson's. Right. You know, so for him, I taught him African-American and biracial. Right. Because that was easier for him to understand. Yes, exactly. So, you know. Yeah. And he's going to to choose and evolve and continue that. Right. Continue that conversation and that idea. So, yeah. Mm And I think this goes further into just proving that. What really is the key to everything is having conversations yes. and dialogue with people mm-hmm. yes. and learning about them. Yeah. Because you just don't know without asking. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And don't make uh, assumptions. Yes. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, asking yeah. prevents the assumptions. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. Bonnie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say this because I am no, like, off yes. word. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, ask the people and just. Don't be a dick. Yeah. Like, the Will Wheaton yeah. rule of the world. Bonnie yes. brings it around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. And that means you can't, like, just because um, someone I know goes by deaf, that doesn't mean that everyone yes. goes by deaf. Like, right. you can't, you have to ask each person yeah. individually. And we ask each person their name when we mm-hmm. meet them, right? So I this was going to say, another... this is a trial. This is right. just part of getting yeah. to know mm-hmm. somebody. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And don't you want to know, I, I want to say the whole person, but mm-hmm. I mean... 
Yeah. I need to come in phases. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you can't learn all of me all at once. It's a bit much. So, you know, the phases <laughs> of getting to know somebody. <laughs> And I always have nicknames for people, like Bon Bon. Mm-hmm. And I always, like, try out these nicknames. And I'll be like, are they okay with it? Are they fine with it? And then I keep at it and be like, the second you're not fine with it, nicknames start changing. So what was uh, Barb's? Barb is rhubarb still. No. Everybody's kind of a food nickname. I think I have a problem. <laughs> I am nickname proof, You are nickname I'm- proof. Always has actually. Been. You, of you've the food. been neighbor Katie, actually. If I really, oh, that I know, but I always end I up saying my neighbor, it. my neighbor Katie. <laughs> okay, I am yeah, your neighbor. Exactly. I mean, you were KT for a while. Does that yeah. count? I guess. I mean, I was mostly drunk when I would say it. <laughs> As I am now, so I should get to the heart of the matter. Okay, sorry. I have yes. An amazing. Oh, I'm sorry. For you yes. Guys. No, we'll work on the nickname this shiz has been later. An incredible conversation. I think it's good for yes. people to hear yes. because there's yeah. so much. Mm-hmm. People are so in their head about mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. At least I know I am. Yeah. So I think it's good. It's good to, to be malleable and yeah. think people. about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So because I'm, I'm just always so worried about offending people. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about tread it. Lightly. We're gonna we're gonna do it regards. <laughs> I think what people really want is just an honest dialogue. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes, to come from a intentional place yeah. of mm-hmm. not being hurtful. Right. And then yes. just, you know, right. being an idiot sometimes. I I'm pointing told, at myself. Yes. yes. <laughs> and I've told I've told students, you know, there's um uh it's better to ask mm-hmm. than to assume. You know, assume. and mm-hmm. As long as you're asking respectfully yeah. and with a real desire to learn the answer, yes, you really can't be offensive. Right. If someone is going to be offended by your sense of respect, yeah. you know, um, the quote Bon Bon. Bon Bon. They're just a jerk. <laughs> Brilliant. Seem to work that out. Yes. All right. Okay, who do you have for well, us? Well, it's K-tay. funny. We just spoke for so yeah, long. It's not working. Yeah. Because I actually am going to introduce you to yeah. a non-speaking individual. Oh, nice. Non-speaking, of course, does not mean non-communicating. Right. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Especially in today's At, age. Oh, my gosh. Exactly. Right. So I'm going to be talking about Jordan Zimmerman. Okay. Um, she's a non-speaking autistic advocate for inclusive education and augmented, augmentative Communication supports for other non-speaking individuals. Wow. Amazing. Awesome. She absolutely is, especially Sweet. when you get to know some of her background. Yes. Until the age of 18, yeah. Jordan was assumed to be incompetent of communication, thought, just really kind wow. of any interaction with the world. Oh, till she was 18? Till she was 18 years old, she had Aww. virtually no voice. Oh, my gosh. And currently, she is 28. Mm. So we're talking about somebody that 10 years ago finally was able to discover their voice and communicate with other people. Wow. And in that 10-year period, she is just rocketed forward in being an advocate, Mm -hmm. being an inspiration, and just being a super incredible person. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So when she was 18 years old, she was still in the school system. Um, being segregated from her peers, mm-hmm. not attending the same classes as them, frequently being put in restrictive holds because of her behavior, oh, gotcha. or trying to elope from the school building oh. um, with no avenue for communication. Oh, wow. She wow. spent her days uh, 
secluded from others, doing repetitive math problems, like mm-hmm. simple addition and things like that, because all of her experience and testing in the school system um, led her teachers and the professionals she interacted with to believe that she had a very low intellect and an inability to communicate. Wow. Ugh. Harsh. Cool. Right. Mm. So it was actually mm. when she was 18 years old that a very unfortunate event happened at the school she was attending. Um, she really never goes into depth about what that was. Um, but because of that, her mom retained a lawyer uh-huh. that was well-versed in, like, kind of education law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and at the time, her mom had introduced an iPad to Jordan um, with just some very basic communication. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Jordan said it was a bit of a revelation because she saw this professional person interested in what she had experienced and what she had to say. Uh-huh. Um, so she said she can remember, like, just physically trying to, like, restrain herself, to control herself, to focus herself, mm-hmm. to try to communicate to this person because she felt like for the first time... Somebody can help her? Somebody was trying to help or listen to her. Oh, my God. And with this lawyer's help, she was able to get another assessment through her school that showed that she should be prevented or she should be provided um, with ACC, which is augmentative and alternative communication. Okay, gotcha. Um, So essentially, this is all the ways somebody can communicate besides speaking. Okay. Generally, augmentative means you're adding something. Okay. And alternative means you're providing a different avenue of speaking. Gotcha. Um, so, like, the kids I've worked with, they have had different kind of iPads, yeah. communication devices. Frequently, PEX is used, which is a picture system mm-hmm. for oh, requesting mm-hmm. what you want. Um, I've had students that use buttons that are yeah. pre-programmed to what they need. Um, and if they have limited mobility, they can press that when they want that. Nice. So there's just... I mean, that's like a tip of an iceberg of different ways yeah. somebody can communicate yes. that isn't just verbally. Yeah. Um, and she said that, Jordan said in early school, she was provided with the PEX system. Okay. But that it was just very limiting. Oh. And, and that be was because she was assumed to be of a very low intellect. Mm. Um, and she said, you know, there's nothing wrong with having a low intellect. Sure. But just the school system did her a disservice by putting her in a box that wasn't, you know, yeah. the, the, the place she needed to be. So um, so once she got and learned how to type out her thoughts, her feelings, her communication, she got that iPad mm-hmm. where she was able to, you know, make elaborate thoughts, opinions, uh, communications to uh, other people. Yeah. And she ended up going from 18 when she was segregated from her community and her school to Achieving a bachelor's degree from Whoa. Ohio University. Wow. Um, from she, where? Ohio University. My alma mater. Oh. Yes, she went to Ohio University. Look at that. Um, and then she got a master's of education at Boston College. Oh, wow. Ooh. So we're talking in a 10-year span. Yeah. She went from being segregated and doing simplistic math problems yeah. to obtaining a bachelor's degree and a master's degree, oh which are gosh. huge accomplishments for anybody oh, in yes. any situation Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um so it's truly remarkable her accomplishments in life yeah um so and that her focus has been on making education um equitable Mm -hmm. for all yeah um having a voice for all the students Mm -hmm. um she actually works as a i want to tell you her correct position gotcha 
Is she a teacher? <laughs> um, she's not a teacher. Okay, okay. She's I was definitely just, an gotcha. advocate, and she's kind of okay. working behind the scenes. Gotcha. Um, she's on the board for Communication First. Okay. Whose mission is to protect and advocate the rights, autonomy, opportunity, and dignity of people with speech-related disabilities Aww. through public engagement, policy, and practice change and systematic advocacy. Oh, sweet. She um, actually is the director of professional development at the Nora Project. Okay. Um, the Nora Project is a nonprofit whose mission is to promote disability inclusion by empowering educators and engaging students in community. Oh, nice. So she nice. hasn't become a teacher, but she's become somebody who's behind the scenes yes. mm-hmm. training teachers yeah. how to work with people, individuals like her who are non-speaking. Nice. Yes, and she has a lot of great resources on her website that's good for anybody, even if yeah. they're not a teacher. Um, she really breaks it down simplistic, and she said the two things she says you should do to support a non-speaking individual is to understand that everybody has language and wants to communicate. Yes. And number two is to always assume competency. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is it that hard that the default is competency? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, right. That's a good way to assume. Yeah, right. the history of like the dumb and deaf school. Yeah, and stuff. that's just very institutionalism. Right. Yeah. So I haven't had the time to watch it yet, but she was actually featured in the 2021 documentary "This Is Not About Me." Oh, okay. Um, which really featured a lot of her background Sweet. about how she remembers being in school and having teachers speak in front of her about her being dumb or unable to do things or her disabilities there oh man right ow right um so she says and and then one of the things i listened to a podcast where she was on and i thought it was beautifully done i'll have to find it for the show notes yeah yeah. you can can do Mm -hmm. it but it's a podcast that features people who have autism oh sweet um and what they're doing um but it was really cool because the podcast actually agreed with her to allow the moments of silence while she processed and oh. typed into her iPad what she had to say. Right. They didn't cut it out for the editing and nice. stuff like that. Cool. Um, because the other thing that she's a huge advocate for is that, you know, educating people who don't have non-speaking disabilities mm-hmm. to leave room for people who are non-speaking yes. to leave that time. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I have to say like with my long career in special education, one of the things that, has taken the most practice mm-hmm. is leaving processing space for people, especially, yes. uh, uh, you know, people who have autism yeah. um, need that almost a minute of processing time when you've yeah. said something or requested something. Mm-hmm. Um, so shooting off your next thought, demand, whatever, yeah. Yeah. is not respectful. Yeah. And it's not helping them be able to yeah. communicate meaningfully with you. Yeah. So she's huge into talking about that. But she's just truly remarkable. Neat. Um, during her time at Ohio University, she also founded an inclusive collegiate cheer team called the Sparkles. Oh, nice. So you can find stuff about that online. Oh, it's super oh, cool. Awesome. That's too cute. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> um, and then in 2022, she was appointed to the President's Committee for People with Intellectual Disabilities. Oh. Um, and she spends a lot of her time also being a prolific keynote speaker and has, prevented, has presented at conferences around the world. Oh, sweet. Wow. And I really love what she has to say about Autism Acceptance Month. Yeah. She says that it should be about listening to the various voices that make up our community, disrupting ableism and systems of oppression and calling for action. It's really about recognizing outright 
recognizing our right to be in spaces every single day and knowing we have worth. Yes. Beautiful. Yes. She talks a lot about how her experience as, you know, an adolescent in school was feeling like she had no worth and no ability to communicate her needs. And being able to communicate is a basic human right. Right. That everybody deserves to have. Um, So to me, that's why I really hooked in with her and was passionate about sharing her with you Mm -hmm. because of all the work she's doing to make um, communication available to every person. Mm Mm-hmm. So. And I, I really am feeling this connection of, um, you know, women finding their voice and how difficult it is to feel find, you know, your voice and, and not have it shake beneath you. This yeah. is somebody who for 18 years had no, had voice. no voice yes. and had that knows how important it is. Mm-hmm. So once she got it, that she didn't take a moment to lose of going right. without it where... You know, many of us spend many times trying, well, if I could only find my voice and find what I feel and find what means something to me. And here's an example of try not having it at all. Yeah. And then realizing how important it is. That's lovely. And we all need to practice listening to people better. Yeah. Because I'm going to be completely honest. When I was listening to the podcast and waiting for her to communicate her response to the questions, it got to the point that I was like, have I stopped playing? Is it still going? Right. I got a little fidgety. And I think that's the point, right? I'm just being honest, right? Mm -hmm. This is why she did what she did so we can experience, like, the processing time, Mm -hmm. the patience everybody should have because it's important to hear all individuals. They all have something to contribute. Yeah. And I thought it was really cool. Um, I'll send you the 19thnews.org. Okay. Interviewed uh, Jordan. Yeah. And they were asking about role models she had who were maybe other non-speaking individuals. Yes. And she said that it was actually when she went to an internship in Washington, D.C., that Judy Human oh! connected her with two oh, non-speaking wow. individuals who are active in Washington, D.C. Yes! That became her role models. That's why Judy is a freaking right? treasure as well as right? Jordan. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So Jordan so- is young, only 28 years old. So I feel like we're going to be hearing oh, yeah. Imagine what she's so gonna much more do. from her. Yeah. So I have a question. Yes. Um, if these people around her just kind of assumed there was nothing going on, sorry, right? Um, with her in terms of intellect and language, mm-hmm. um, I mean, how did she pick up how to write? Um, from what I understand, I'm, I'm thinking like my own experience in special education is that that very preschool kindergarten level can be very repetitive for kids who have developmental disabilities that they assume has low intellect. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming she probably spent a lot of time with the alphabet with learning some basic okay. core words, mm-hmm. but it was really once that lawyer became involved, um, that she clued into the iPad as a way to communicate. And she went, I need to find it, but she went to a, like a special institute that trained her how to communicate with the iPad. Oh, okay. Okay. So it was, you know, because I mean, a big, huge chunk of her education was missing. Yeah. Yeah. That she never got that you would need to be able to type out and do things. Mm -hmm. And as like, if you listen to that podcast with her, you'll see it is a very slow process. Mm -hmm. Um, But she definitely has the word communication, spelling, abilities Mm -hmm. um but i think it was that focus of that training when she was in that institute so because she definitely did jump from like 
not communicating right. to a few years later college right. and master's degrees, but it's it's just... It still took some I time to there. Yeah. yeah. Having worked with deaf people, um, there's a lot of, unfortunately, there's a lot of um, deaf people that uh, have language delays because mm, right. people didn't, for some reason, like, they don't need sign language. Right. People just think that you can learn English. Sure. Even if you can't I mean, hear the it. The thought is that. if you can't speak, then you don't know what's going on. Right. I feel mm-hmm. like that's the default for right. a lot exactly. of people. So yeah. for a lot of people, once they finally are in an environment where there's sign language being used, yeah. where ASL is being lo- used, they pick it up super fast. Yeah. It's a resource because, to... Yes. Yeah. Their sponge Freedom. Form, exactly. Right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. so... Um, I would imagine that happened yes. with Jordan as yes. well. You see it as an avenue for, yeah. you know, oh, wait, I can use I'd be that. I'm very yes. curious to see her documentary for sure. Absolutely. I'm yeah. eager to watch that. I haven't done it yet. I don't think it's available for free. Gotcha. But I have a feeling if you pay for it, you're definitely supporting a good cause. Right. Absolutely. You can gotcha. find it at her web sor- website, which is just hername.org. Okay. And what's her gotcha. name again? Jordan. Her name is Jordan Zimmerman, but it's okay. a. J O R D Y N. Okay, she's got that a Y in it. Jordan. Gotcha. You know what? It also did make me think of is I, I watched a lot of documentaries with Stephen Hawking. Yes. <laughs> I wonder how much of that delay was edited out. Yeah. You know oh, what I'm to saying? To make it more palatable to all of because, us. Because yeah, we a lot of times we're seeing these yeah. documentaries and you know mm-hmm. uh, and the different technology <laughs> that we have that we saw him use throughout yes. time makes me wonder how much they took out that pause. Yeah. You know True. what I mean? And For that sure. is a lesson we could have learned in that pause, you know? Well, I was um, even talking to Josh yeah. about, like, how this was so hard for me in my special education career yeah. to learn. And it wasn't because I didn't want to give that space, mm-hmm. but I wanted to be overly helpful. Yeah. So I'm yeah. like, okay, You're I'll, eager beaver I'll to help. request <laughs> this or say this to you, but then I'm going to say it three different ways in case the way I said it the first time didn't make yeah. sense. So I think it's a mindfulness exercise, too, because as a society, we're just pushing. Going, going, going. Going, going, going. So one of the things I learned go. while I was working with deaf people, um, I'm teaching college, you know, I was teaching general education, you know, public speaking and English mm-hmm. and, you know, all these other uh, courses. Um, and I, when I had deaf students, I would have interpreters. Yeah. And one of the things I had to get used to because I get excited and then I, I'm talking You're using your hands. Yeah. Uh, well, I've always used my hands. So. <laughs> <laughs> but there needs to be a lag time for them to be able yeah. to, you know, communicate yeah. all of what they, they say. So I learned to pause. I would say a yeah. bit and then I would pause and I would you know, watch the interpreters and when they finished what, what I had been saying, yes. you know, then, then I, I would go. say some more mm-hmm. and then I would pause and I just trained myself to pause. And it's a breath almost, isn't it? It's a little well, bit more than that. that. Yeah. Sounds yeah. But, so but, yeah. easy the way you're describing yeah. it, but it's actually really yes. hard. Yes. And that's the, not the how we're naturally right. programmed. Exactly. Yeah. And the thing yeah. about hearing people, at least yeah. in the United States, is we get awkward when there is silence yeah we we are not taught to um, uncomfortable silences yes yeah we're not taught a way to enjoy a silence because it's never as long as we think it is yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know and it's just a matter of pausing and allowing 
processing time yes. or the interpretation or, you know, whatever it the is. Completion of a and, thought. Right. And so we don't, we don't learn pauses mm-hmm. generally and, and we get awkward with pauses. We think we have to fill it. Yeah. And it is, it is a, an exercise in self patience mm-hmm. to learn how to be comfortable in the silence. Yeah. Right. And not feel like we have to fill. And that can be a lifelong silence. lesson. <laughs> and <laughs> it, say it, it took a lot of time. Yeah. Yes. I won't even say I'm there 100 percent of the time, but I've definitely. I know I'm not there. so different than the person <laughs> I was 10 years yes. ago. Yeah. Yes. With in regard to that, in exactly. regard to processing time and understanding processing time, I think there's statistics that individuals with autism can need up to a minute. A processing time yes. if you've asked a That's question fair. or made a request. Yeah. But have you ever tried to sit there and be silent with somebody for a full minute? Right. Only when toddlers. When you're having a conversation. <laughs> and yeah. that's mostly like you have one more minute to play. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a beautiful yeah. thing mm-hmm. to be able to do and train yourself to do because yes. it leaves so much room for so many more people. Give people that space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's lovely. It's definitely Absolutely. mind fuel yes. for me to sit quietly. We will all and contemplate. Yes, exactly. Yes. However, now, yes, I will close this down I like for it. the month. Yes, there you go. Do okay. it. That wraps it up for Disability Pride Month. Join us next week as we set our sights high in the sky and celebrate aviation gals. We hope to see you soon at the Gals Guide Library, and thank you so much for listening. For show notes, links, and images from this week's show, visit galsguide.org. Want exclusive stuff like deleted bits and major bloopers? Become a Galsguide patron today. Thanks for listening.